0: Hey guys, my name is Jessica Hartzold and I am obsessed with all things Jesus. I am a lover of my Bible and a pursuer of our Lord, but I am also a woman who makes mistakes and doesn't always get it right. I haven't always been a follower of Jesus. Boy, have I not. However, during one of the most difficult times of my life, God illuminated for me the power of a choice and this gift of free will. She Chooses as a podcast purpose to help you fall in love with Jesus, and in doing so, learning how to harness this gift of free will by taking life one choice at a time. Let's get started. Today, we are stepping into the last two Be attitudes. And I'm really looking forward to wrapping this up. And I would love to hear any thoughts that you have or any things that you've gleaned or that have stood out to you as we have walked through this. So please feel free to drop me a message on Instagram or Facebook. And um, I just want to hear some feedback. What has God done for you throughout this study? Or how are you seeing things in a different light? So with that, we're going to dive right in. And I want to start today by asking a question. What does a peacemaker look like to you? What does a peacemaker do? How does a peacemaker carry themselves? Our next be Attitude says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Our last episode, we we wrapped it up by talking about a pure heart. We talked about how as we allow God to purify our heart, there's something that's triggered within us, and our outlook begins to change. And we begin to really love others in a different way. We see them in a different light. It's like this new realm of love is open to us. As God is purifying our heart, we start to see others as the soul that they are. We begin to love them more like Jesus loves them. And it's this absolutely beautiful thing that happens. I had an absolutely humbling experience with this years back. In my job, I ran into a coworker that was like sandpaper to me. I really couldn't stand working with them. And it felt like every time they spoke to me, they were talking down, they were like condescending, as though they they questioned my ability to get my job done, a job that I feel so passionate about that I love. So I sought one of my mentors one day to to figure out, you know, how do you work with someone like that? And I remember his words. He said, Well, Jay. It all starts with a conversation. And that was the best advice, but it really was the last thing I wanted to hear in that moment. So I pushed it away and I thanked him for his time. And I just kind of was like, eh, I, I don't I don't really know about this. And as I left that conversation, I began to think, you know, what what do you mean a conversation? I don't I don't even want to hear their voice. So why would I encourage them to talk to me anymore? So I let that advice simmer for a little bit and things started to get worse to a point where I wouldn't even answer their call when they called me. I would just let it go to voicemail. They'd lay out their instructions in the voicemail. I would get done what they needed and then I would email over what they had requested. And this worked for a while until one afternoon as I was working through this process, conviction just began to pour all over me and it, it was then that the words of my, my friend, my mentor, he came, it came back to my mind. So I decided this time I, I wasn't ready for the conversation with them, but I was ready for a conversation with Jesus about it all. And my prayer at that point, it absolutely was not pretty and honestly was super self-centered because I remember asking God to to change the other person. But praying over the situation over time, however, God began to really shift my mind. And I began to see things differently as I started to see ways that I could do things differently rather than asking God to change my coworker. And so it came to a day where we had this face to face meeting and everything changed like everything. Absolutely crazy, wonderful moment. And I was full of anxiety prior to that meeting. And I remember praying before I left for the office that day. My words, my prayer changed substantially as God dropped a new thought into my mind. What, what if I began to see them the way he sees them? So I prayed, Lord, please allow me to see this person the way that you see them. You said that they're a beautiful soul. Help me see them as a beautiful soul. Guys, this has been one of the most beautiful prayers that God has answered for me. I went to the office that morning and I met them in that conference room as as we were and as we were sitting there, I began to see things so differently to a point where I I could hardly contain tears. I was blinking them back. As God, he he showed me this person in a brand new light and I felt God whisper to me right there in that conference room you know how much I love you I love them just as much you know how much grace I've shown you I show them the same you know how much mercy I extend to you I I extend the same level of mercy to them And sitting in that conference room, I I felt this hard spot in my heart. It melted away and love literally began gushing from within as though it was like a dam had been broken down. And my relationship with this person has never been the same. I I don't avoid them at all anymore. I actually, I look forward to them. No longer do they feel like sandpaper to me. They, They feel like a teacher. And I have such an appreciation for who they are. And it's, All attributed to Jesus. He he healed this hard place in my heart. And by allowing him to purify my heart, he, he allowed this peacemaking ability to be ushered in. And this relationship that blesses me so much was set into motion. I wonder like how many other relationships is God desiring to do this with, you know, where where he, it's like a source of love, but we don't want, we don't want him. We're like, no, God, mm-mm, this, this is a sandpaper. I'm not going there. But how much are we limiting ourselves by not allowing him to do what he wants to do? So what, what does a peacemaker do? A peacemaker, they accept this sacred responsibility to like diffuse grace and truth into every situation and to offer the power of the Prince of Peace. Isn't that beautiful? Like think about if you're an essential oil user, think about your diffuser. I just have this image in my mind, a peacemaker. They're just diffusing all of that good Essential oil of sorts into every situation. We all ache for peace. True peace that Jesus desires for us, it comes to those who have mourned their sin. It's embraced by people who hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. So, what is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is not avoidance. Anything that fails to go to the truth and resolve the problem. That's not peace, guys. Too often, we are mistaking avoidance as peace. I'm just going to stay away from them, and there's that peace. No, that's a lie. We are lying to ourselves whenever we do that because we're failing to go to the truth, to find the root of that problem, to make peace. A peacemaker, they move into a problem with courage, courage to resist, to confront, to disagree and to obey God in order to achieve real, true peace. Real peace cannot happen without honesty. It isn't based on feeling good or being popular or never stepping on toes. It's born of loving truthfulness. Peacemakers, they bring light where darkness once was, and they speak truth where lies once lived. I think for a moment, you know, we are, we're told about the full armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. Part of the full armor of God are the shoes of the gospel of peace. And we find that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. So when you think of the armor of God, why do you think the shoes are called the shoes of the gospel of peace? My thoughts, you know, we're we to advance in the battlefield without worry because we are bearers of the gospel. We carry it. Worry some things, they may be there, but we know the peace speaker. We understand that God is ordering our steps and our confidence is in him and him alone. And we're surrendering every challenge we encounter to him. And we're trusting the path that he has us on. He says it is a good path and we are trusting that. When we look back to to Roman battle gear, when we're looking at the armor of God, we really start to see some cool things, you know, some real deep-rooted power in these pieces. Roman battle shoes, they they were really comfortable. They were breathable, and they had spikes on the bottom, and those spikes were there to help the soldier on those uneven paths, you know, those difficult paths, to help them gain ground and to keep moving forward. This this is a lifelong message of peace and learning to abide in Christ. You know, living a life of faith in obedience to his word. This is a lifelong journey. Psalms 91 tells us that there is a secret place a place of safety, a refuge, protection, and peace. There is a secret place with the Lord. And this beatitude, it points us to the secret place where we can all learn to abide with Christ. So many of us are looking to find this place and to learn what it means to abide. But many of us get caught up thinking doing, doing Christian things will take us there. However, doing Christian things doesn't equal abiding in Christ. To abide means to bear patiently. And to endure without yielding, to withstand, to wait for. Too often we think to abide means just nothing. You know, you're you're just, to abide is not doing anything. But to abide is a verb. We see that whenever we just look. I said that that means to bear patiently, to endure without yielding, to withstand, to wait. Which is where many of us, we're getting tripped up whenever we think to abide is not to do anything. We don't think it should take any effort and we don't want to accept that to abide is action and it actually involves effort, a whole crazy lot. It's not the afternoon rest that we might mistake it for. To get to that place of peace, we've got to be willing to work for it, to push through things and see things about ourselves that aren't always the easiest to see. I mean, who wants to acknowledge that there's any yuck inside of us? Nobody. Becoming a peacemaker means we must learn to make peace by practicing extending mercy to those around us, even to those we don't think deserve it. Even to those we don't think deserve it. Mm. That burns so much because, guys, there are some people that have done some painful things to us. There are some people who have done some unthinkable things to us. And that's a deep, dark truth. Being that peacemaker and learning to extend mercy is not for the faint of heart. But this does, it leads us into our next beatitude, this last beatitude, where it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Guys, we endure injustice. Christians endure injustice. When you look at scripture, there's a lot of painful things. Those disciples, oh my word, were they persecuted? This says, blessed are you when others, they revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Jesus said that. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We find that in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Matthew 10, verse 16 through 22 tells us this, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what ye will speak, for it shall be given you in that time, in that same hour, what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father, which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Friends, the climate of our world has drastically changed towards Christian do you realize that over 75% of the world's population live in areas of severe religious restrictions? Persecution is a thing. Persecution is is a relating. It's an evidence that we are part of the kingdom. When persecution comes, whether it's subtle or life-threatening, we're presented with a choice will we hide our relationship with Jesus? Do we really love him and trust him more than anything else? Jesus knew he was not alone and he chose to go to the cross. He showed us what courage looks like. Mark chapter 8 verse 31 through 38 tells us this, and he began to teach them, that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Why do you think Peter rebuked Jesus? For me, he knew Jesus had all power, so why not use that power to stop this unthinkable act? What do you think Peter's expectation for Jesus and his followers was? I think he thought that they were going to live this glorious pain-free life. Or why why does Jesus respond so strongly towards Peter? I feel like he's correcting him. He's drawing him back to obedience with an understanding our ways are not God's ways. Things are not always going to look as we think they should. I feel like Jesus is preparing him for what is to come. We see Peter, he's facing his own paradoxical statements, right? We've been saying that all along as we journeyed through these these beatitudes. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. That doesn't even make sense to our mind. How does that make sense? You know, think about Jesus said to take up your cross. So what does that mean to you? For me, we, we give up our thoughts, our assumptions in exchange for God's plan. God really desires to be the center of our life. What he's telling us is he's teaching us that self-denial is a necessity. We have got to live surrendered to our Lord, that he has to be the core of our thinking and the core of our actions, the source of our actions. We have to be deliberate. We have to be willful um, to surrender to him every single day. We have to die to ourselves every single day. And this is a choice. It's a decision that we wake up and we have to make every single day. Following him with that full obedience is something we have to make up our mind to do. And we do that daily to surrender and follow after him. As we wrap up this, this study, we saw that the first and the last beatitude, you may have noticed it, they possess the same reward. Why, would, why do you think that they're laid out this way? It's an interesting thought to consider. As we've worked through this study, we've shown that these are all connected. And I believe that that is the reason why we have the first and the last beatitude with the same reward. This isn't a one and done list. They're a process and that process works throughout our entire life. Our daily walk with the Lord will continuously break up hard places in our heart and reveal more and more our reliance on God, which will open new areas of repentance, leading us deeper into a spirit of meekness, which will continue to create a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness, which will then allow us to extend greater mercy, which will then purify our heart more and more, allowing us to become better peacemakers, opening us up to more persecution for righteousness' sake. But friends, great is our reward. And this is a lifelong process that keeps going over and over and over. Because guys, as much as we don't want to admit it, we are not perfect. We will not know what perfection is until we stand and we see him face to face. When we will be changed to be like him. That is the moment when our perfection is done. And guys, great is our reward. This journey is not an easy one. Right? We've said that this is going to reveal things about ourselves that, my word, we do not want to see. But hold on to that. Great is our reward. We want the kingdom of heaven. We want to dance down the streets of glory. We want to spend eternity worshiping the Holy One, our great Messiah. So let's continue, friends. We're going to leave this study, but we're not going to leave what this is teaching us. We're going to allow God to continue processing, allowing us to process and learn and see the things that he wants us to see. Because, guys, this is truly a lifestyle that Jesus is laying out for us. I want to live it. Do you? You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. Thank you for taking time to listen. I hope over the next few days, you'll take some time and really think about what we just went over. Look for a way to apply it. It's when we activate the word that we really start to step into the life that Jesus desires for us to live, that authentic Christian living. If you found this episode helpful, share it. And please leave a review. When you do, you help elevate the She Chooses podcast in the search results of others, making it easier for them to find. And if you're like me and you like to digest information in varying forms, you can find the full episode transcript on the She Chooses website. Check out the show notes for a direct link. And hey, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe, making sure you never miss an episode.